It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This is the Court Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, John Paul is taking your calls at 1850-333-103 and texts and WhatsApps, they're already coming into us at 0862-103-103. But I want to start straight away this morning with the nursing home at the centre of the major outbreak of COVID-19 who was forced to go public with their pleas for help because the staff felt abandoned by the HSC. 42 residents and staff at the Nightingale Nursing Home East of Galway all tested positive for COVID-19 since last Tuesday. All but three care staff which was left with one nurse and two care assistants all the rest tested positive for uh, COVID-19. Tyke Daly is CEO of Nursing Homes Ireland and Tyke joins me this morning. Good morning to you Tyke. Good morning Patricia. Tyke, three non-infected staff members left to care for more than 20 residents. Does this case absolutely shock you? Absolutely. It's very, very distressing um, uh, to hear what what uh, transpired yesterday. Um, I mean, clearly, I've been speaking on your programme and others over the last number of weeks, and we were in a much better position. Uh, community transmission was being suppressed, uh, and the clusters were closing right across the country. But we've seen over the last number of weeks where community transmission at this stage is, in some counties is pretty much out of control, unfortunately, and that has a direct impact in on, on, on nursing home care. So it is very distressing. And it's incumbent on all of us now, uh, working closely with the HSE and others to get staff into that facility. Uh, And I believe from speaking to others this morning that uh, many of those uh, are are plans uh, and indeed are are being delivered today, which is is positive because uh, clearly uh, the the fact that large numbers of staff have been infected and then have to self-isolate is having a huge impact right across the health service. I think what I found most shocking about the case was the fact that the, the director of nursing had to go public on the national airways in order to get any sort of help. I mean, having somebody having phoned to tell the HSC what was going on to be told, leave it with us, don't panic. When you have three members of staff left to look after 26 patients. Yeah, look, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm learning like yourself and others uh, through the media and, and, and through the uh, questions in the Oireachtas yesterday about some of the specifics of it. But I think 
I suppose it's important from your listeners' point of view to understand that there are, you know, almost 570 nursing homes across the country, public, private and voluntary, and there are clusters now in, in, in 40 or 41 across the country. So it's still a small number and it shouldn't be beyond us uh, collectively to ensure that those that are in, in I suppose, extreme difficulty, like uh, the case in East Galway, uh, that we that we cannot uh, be in a position to provide staff from either with own, our own resources or indeed from the support of the HSE. And it is very distressing for everybody, not least the families uh, of, of residents in that particular facility. And indeed, families generally listening to even myself discussing this with you this morning, they're maybe wondering, what's happening in their nursing uh, Well, Well, so I think, I, well, I think th- and that's one of the reasons that we said that we must have you on this morning. I yeah. mean, we, we are already hearing from families who are concerned and saying, could the same situation end up happening in, in a nursing home in our own locality? Well, look, clearly, none, the, the virus hasn't gone away, unfortunately. The virus is no less virulent now than it was in March and April. But we are better prepared, I think, as a, as a society, and indeed, all I can do is speak on behalf of the nursing home sector and say that in the nursing home sector, like there is regular PPE available, obviously the, the serial testing. And the serial testing is picking up cases. So, look, none of us can say I've been out on many media outlets over the last number of months. And I have, uh, I have, I have, I suppose, struggled, if you like, with using the word inevitable because I've heard others use it and I have almost refused to use it. But unfortunately, uh, in any healthcare setting, uh, whether it's an acute hospital. I mean, there's 21 acute hospitals across the country at this point in time have outbreaks of COVID. Um, so I think there is, uh, if the transmission in the community is going to continue at the rate it's going, uh, then clearly more nursing homes are going to become affected. What we need to do is ensure that we minimise the impact on residents ultimately, uh, but also staff to ensure that we have the staff there uh, to be able to care for residents. Uh, and the other element is then is to work with the HSE, uh, with local uh, agencies, for example. But uh, staffing is the single biggest issue right across the health service. Uh, and and know, that's they're, something they're... I've spoken to you about before, yeah. uh, in that your members at Nursing Home Ireland are having problems recruiting staff. And then when something like this happens, where all the staff either have to self-isolate because they have COVID-19 or because they've been in contact with COVID-19, if they've already battled to employ yes. staff, where, where are the staff going to come from? Well, you see, that, that, that's the single biggest issue, as I said. I mean, I've been out on a number of occasions talking about, I mean, and there's not much point in talking about what we've said about three or four years ago about a workforce plan. But clearly, you know, we need to train more nurses in this country. Uh, we need to recruit more people from overseas. I mean, the health service generally would struggle without the, the large numbers of overseas doctors, nurses, and indeed uh, healthcare assistants that work in the Irish health service. Uh, so I spoke to Michal Martin uh, on Taoiseach just last week on that very issue, that we need to look now at the ineligible categories of employment listing, for example, because there are people uh, in other countries uh, who are willing to work in the Irish Health Service, and we need to uh, recruit them and bring them in to work in the Irish Health Service because, you know, unfortunately, again, what we've seen over the last while is that, you know, people are fearful um, about working in, in, in a COVID environment, uh, and that has an impact, obviously, as well. So it, there's no simple solution here, unfortunately, Patricia, uh, and all I can say to your listeners and, indeed, to our own members is that Everybody is working hard. The staff have been heroic right across the health service, but particularly in, in the in the nursing home sector as we try to battle what is, uh, you know, a very virulent virus and we don't have a vaccine. So, but the HSE have to learn from this particular 
case so that it never happens again. I mean, to te- to have told staff that there would be two or three yeah. care assistants coming on yesterday morning at eight o'clock and then they don't show up and they don't even get a phone call to be told they're not going to show up. That's just not good enough. No, absolutely not. Uh, and, and that's the, the, you know, the issue for in, in this particular case. Uh, but clearly, as I say, of the you know 570 nursing homes across the country, there are 40 now with outbreaks. Uh, there's four, as I understand it, that would be in a similar situation to to to, to Nightingale in terms of the numbers. Uh, but those others are managing. They're managing with the support of the HSE in some in some regions. Uh, and indeed, uh, I've heard from our members across the country where you know people are now ringing in because they again are fearful of the tragedy that happened in March and April. So we now have people ringing our members, thankfully, saying, "Listen, I'm a retired nurse." or I'm a retired uh, healthcare assistant, uh, I now want to offer my services. So I think, you know, the, 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 the metal, I suppose, if you like, of the Irish people uh, will hopefully uh, see us through. But clearly, there are no army of people, you know, over the hill, as it were. Um, yeah, but 70,000 people answered Ireland on call at the start of the pandemic. Yeah. And I think something like 250 people were employed by the HSE. Yeah, well, I mean, look, we've raised that on a good number of occasions because what's happening is that, uh, I suppose, uh, what's happening is that the HSE are recruiting from our members uh, because they're recruiting highly qualified, highly skilled, highly committed people. Uh, whereas what we've said is that people who are already working on the front line, whether it's in an acute hospital, whether it's in the National Ambulance Service or indeed the nursing home, what they need to be done is, is supported to stay in their current role because taking someone from either the ambulance service to work in a nursing home or a nursing home to work in an acute hospital. That's only moving people around yeah. the system. We need new people. Yeah. And you're right, the large numbers of people that applied for Ireland on call, you know, what we're seeing now, for example, is people uh, both in the hospital system and indeed the nursing home system going working in contact tracing. Like, that doesn't make sense when there are large numbers of people who are now, unfortunately, due to uh, the, the economic circumstances, find themselves uh, on the, the pandemic unemployment payment. You know, we need to be strategic uh, and we need to be creative and say to those people, you know, come in and work in the contact tracing, uh, for example, and leave those who are already working on the front line doing what they do best, which is care for our Absolutely, and absolutely. And there was something rather comforting from the news that since the plight of the nursing home was highlighted, the home itself was inundated with offers from help as far away as Kerry and Donegal. And there was something comforting in that. Absolutely, that's the point I'm making. I mean, look, the the the, the Irish people are legendary. You know, we, we support each other in in good times and bad. Uh, everybody is, you know, the, the stories uh, and, and what we've heard yesterday is very distressing for all of us. Absolutely, very distressing. So uh, the 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 fact that there are people out there now who are willing to put their hand up and say, "Listen, I'm actually going to uh, go and support either in this nursing home or indeed in other nursing homes or indeed in the wider health service." What we need to do now is that we're in for a very difficult winter, unfortunately. I've listened to, to the, the Chief Medical Officer last evening, again highlighting the fact that community transmission is out of control in some in some counties. So that's a responsibility on all of us. There's no point in, you know, as a society saying, oh, it's dreadful what's happening. We all need to collectively take, you know, the measures to suppress the virus, to adhere to the public health guidance, don't travel unless you need to, uh, because once we get it back under control in the community, 
then you and I won't be having these conversations. OK, I'll let you go because I'm, I'm watching the clock. I know you have more interviews yep. coming up. Listen, Ty, thank you for that and okay. ha- have a nice weekend and, and we'll yeah, talk again. Stay safe. God bless. Take care. Bye-bye. That is Ty Daly of Nursing Homes Ireland on that case out of Galway and somebody asking how could so many of the residents, how could they all have been diagnosed at the same time? It seems what happened was last Sunday, one of the residents was hospitalised and because they were hospitalised, they got tested for COVID-19, which obviously happens now when somebody goes into hospital. That resident from the nursing home turned out to test positive for COVID-19. So obviously this Nightingale nursing home had to be contacted to say one of your residents has tested positive. You need to start testing on all of the staff and the residents. So all of the staff and the residents then were tested between Sunday and Monday. And by Monday night, when the results of all of the tests came back, 25 out of the 27 residents were found to be COVID positive and then 10 of the care staff tested positive and seven of the nurses tested positive. I mean, it was just absolutely shocking. It got into that congregated setting and it just ran, it just rampaged. It just went through all of the staff and the residents. And then at the end of it, they were left with three care staff, one nurse and two care assistants. And yesterday morning, one nurse, one care assistant went to work. They were the same two that had worked a 13-hour shift the day before, facing into another 13-hour shift. The director of nursing, who was at home with COVID-19, I mean, bless her heart, she'd been diagnosed with COVID-19. She actually said she didn't feel that bad. Uh, And she said when she was hearing what was happening at the home, she actually thought about going in and going to work. But obviously, the fact she was COVID-19 positive, uh, she couldn't. So she then, they were getting onto the HSE to saying, we've got a major problem in, in this nurse home. We've got elderly residents here. Majority of them are COVID-19 positive. We need help. That's where the comment came from somebody at the HSE when they pleaded for help was leave it with us. Don't panic. And obviously they were panicking because they knew they needed staff. Seemingly on the Tuesday into Wednesday or the Wednesday into Thursday, yeah, they got night staff to the HSC got I'm assuming agency staff to come in so they got the nurse and the care assistants that they needed and they were told the nurse and the care assistant who was going into work was told don't worry you will have additional staff they will be sent into you we'll get at least two more carers to come into you yesterday morning Thursday morning so the nurse and the carer went in and waited for these two carers to turn up who, who never who never turned up. They didn't even get a phone call to say we're not able to locate two carers for you. So it, it truly was shocking that it was a local doctor. I think first of all went started tweeting about it. That's what how the pub, how the media got wind of it then and then of course the director of nursing went on National Airways yesterday talking to Joe. I mean it was just shocking and it, it shouldn't have to come to that that a director of nursing whose home trying to recover from COVID-19 herself needs to go on the National Airways to say to the HSE you need to wake up and smell the roses we need help and we need help uh, quickly some of your thoughts on uh, this uh, Patricia everybody knew what the HSE were doing they've been getting away with it the truth is out and something will have to be done with them says uh, Pat uh, 
Hi Patricia, I hope this message finds you well. Thank you very much. The HSC is using private recruitment firms for job vacancies such as contact tracing, security service, cleaning, nursing positions and they're doing this nationwide. These recruitment agencies are costing the HSC a small fortune. I think that the state privatising everything was a big, big mistake. It's costing the public service a fortune. Keep up the good work and enjoy the bank holiday weekend. That's from Marie and uh, thank you Marie and have a nice weekend yourself as well. And Mary says, yes Trisha, it sounds like they're finding it very difficult now to get staff for that particular nursing home. I said it at the beginning of the pandemic if the hospital staff refused to go into work because of the virus was in there we'd all be screwed uh, it looks like it could be happening now well well, it's not Mary the reason that these the staff in this particular nursing home are not in work is because they've tested positive for COVID-19 it isn't even a fact that they're home self-isolating because they were close contact it's because they actually tested uh, positive I mean some of the staff bless their hearts said that they would go in and work even though they are COVID uh, positive but obviously they're not allowed to do that and Liz wants to have a bit of a rant about the guards I don't know do we get was there did you come across many checkpoints this morning? Was it as bad as it was yesterday? Was anybody late for work? Did you heed the advice that we were giving yesterday from the Gardaí to say leave earlier for work and plan your journey? Only make your journey if you're absolutely necessary. Liz says with all the stress we're under at the moment, the guards have gone too far with these checkpoints. Um, not happy at all. And that's from Liz. And email end of kit. You can always email the programme Patricia at c103.ie or info at c103.ie and we've just had an email in from Sinead at the Nine White Deer Brewery uh, to say Hi uh, Trish from awakening this morning and finding out about a sanitizer recall from certain schools we wanted to get in touch to let your listeners know that we produce hand sanitizers here at the brewery it has been approved by the Department of Agriculture and under World Health Organisation guidelines. If any schools need a supply of sanitizer, can you please pass on our message? Would really appreciate it as we're a small business very much impacted by COVID-19 and we've lots in stock and it is ready to ship. Well done. That's from Sinead from the Nine White Deer Brewery. If there's any school or anybody else who has been caught by this sanitizer recall looking for hand sanitizer, please support locally as well. And that's what you'll be doing by getting your hand sanitizer from the Nine White Deer uh, Brewery. And of course, this what Sinead is talking about is the Department of Agriculture. They've recalled it. It, it was an approved hand sanitizer widely used in schools. It's the Vera V I R A, the Vera Pro hand sanitizer. The department said it was removed now from their product register. It's due to possible public health concerns. The Department of Education said schools using the sanitizers can close today if they if they choose to. Don't know. I haven't heard of any schools in this area if they have closed or not. Now, it seemingly it emerged that approval for the product was actually revoked on Tuesday. But it wasn't announced until last night, Thursday. Don't know what the delay about it was there. I mean, if the product was revoked on Tuesday, surely we should have been talking about this on the media and schools should have been informed as early as uh, Tuesday. The Department of Agriculture's product register says the hand sanitizer should be withdrawn from use. The department says the Vera Pro P, uh, I won't go into the number, it was recalled as prolonged use can cause dermatitis, eye irritation, upper respiratory system irritation and it can also cause headaches. It's understood the product may contain methanol rather than ethanol. 
and that's where the problem lies. People have been advised to stop using the sanitizer by the Department of Agriculture. They're also saying the Department of Ed are saying there will be additional funding to schools if they need to purchase because they will obviously need to purchase and go to an alternative supplier. Can I suggest locally that they go to the Nine White Deer Brewery? The sanitizer is also in use in some medical facilities. Some GP practices have, have been using it. And I'm also told it's on sale in several retail outlets. So if you do have it at home, please stop uh, using using it. Now, a number of schools were contacted and uh, that have been using it, even though I couldn't find a school to say that any ill effects have been reported by pupils. But obviously, some pupils and staff somewhere have been reporting the issues with them and because of that they did extra testing on it and has now been recalled. So it was Vera Pro. It's in, it seems to be green, predominantly green on the front of the pack. Vera Pro Instant Hand Sanitizer Gel. It says kills 99.9% of germs without water. So please be very careful if you're using that at home. I would suggest that you stop using it. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. is Farlin. C103 Air Sanctuary. Hi, Simon here. As you know, Cork has a host of local and world-class brands and it's a super city for shopping. Right now, we are asking you once again to make every effort to shop locally. We'd be delighted if you could do your shopping right here in Cork. Because a thriving local economy is good for everyone. Shop locally and you'll save time, you'll save money and you'll help to save local jobs. Supported by McCarthy Insurance Group, where you can shop local for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Support your own right now. And thank you from all of us at C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 86 103 Now many people are worried about how they're going to survive the six-week lockdown, especially those whose businesses have been forced to shut or those who perhaps have been uh, let go from their jobs. John Healy is a tree surgeon in the North Cork area and he says that the powers that be need to start giving people some positive news. And John uh, joins me. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, uh, Patricia. And, th- and thank you for contacting us uh, on this. Yes. What are y- your big concerns? Is it that we will head into a more severe recession next year and that that's causing concerns for people? Is that where your worries lie? Okay, the, the first thing I'd say, look, I think the, the government are doing an incredible job in under so difficult situation, right? Okay. As all countries are across Europe, they're being hit with a tsunami of problems calling for money uh, coming from every angle and help. And that's hard to deal with. At the moment, currently, we're borrowing a lot of money to try and sustain this temporarily. Um, my concern is in relation to the, the public, that the public, start, some people are saying that this is not a proper lockdown and not the same as the last one. Mm. What the government are trying to do here is kind of a mix-mash to try and keep 
balance between health, welfare and keep businesses going. I think, look, the, the way that just to let the public understand a small bit about, and from my own experience, in relation how the public or the private sector operates, the receipts of, we'll say the, the income of last year are the receipts of today. So next year's money will be earned this year. So hence, I think the full confession isn't being told yet. They don't need to tell it, I suppose, because that's next year. But at some point next year, the confession will have to be told that all the borrowings will say, like, the, the private sector, the, that will not add up. Some businesses have closed or badly hit. They won't have enough revenue to meet what the, the government anticipate or estimate. And currently they had said, you know, at the start of it, gee, because the, the revenues are holding up good enough. In terms of the private sector, the reason that is happening is because the revenue last year are paying for the, their... Yeah, the, 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 yeah, and and a lot of the businesses, particularly the retail businesses that were forced to close. I mean, any that we have been we have spoken to, or when our reporter Fiona went out to do a vox pop mm-hmm. during the week, they were making the point that the money they make in the three months leading up to Christmas, that's the money that will tide them over for anything up to the six months, the first six months of next year, and because now yeah. it's looking like retail will get, if they're doing well, will get a four-week run at the very most in the lead-up to Christmas. And I suppose the big concern for them is they're not going to make three months' worth of profit in a month. Yeah, that's, some businesses, Patricia, may, may, may not be able to sustain it. Some might do better than others. It's very difficult to generalise. The other point I would say, look, um, going forward... Europe at some point will have to, at the moment, they're, they're giving money, we'll say, printing money, lend it, we're, we're borrowing it. Most of the countries in Europe are doing the same. I think what ultimately is going to have to happen is debt forgiveness is going to have to happen, through which, in relation to Ireland, have been doing better than a lot of the other countries, to be fair to them. The, the government have managed it well, the last government did as well. But Ireland, Greece, and Italy have, have, are already on the brink of high debt. And I think that's ultimately where it's going to sit. That the Europe will, will, as soon as hopefully a vaccine comes, and we hope and pray that it does, that once in that come, the tap of lending money will be slowly turned off and budgets will have to be reined in. Maybe interest rates might go up. That's not a bad thing. In some ways, some people might say, Jesus, leave it alone. But ultimately, they'd have to go because, because this inflationary overspend will have to be reined in. And I think the public will have to learn that that's going to have to happen. Yeah, but, but 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 you're right about the amount of money we're borrowing, like huge sums of money. I think is is it going to be twenty three billion this year and probably the same next year? But some of yeah. that lending will go into the payback. Will go into very long bonds. I mean, I mentioned this the other day. There there was a That's bond good. that the UK government paid back in 2017 and it was a a 100 year bond it was money that they borrowed after the first world war and obviously they had the hope of paying it back any time 
after the First World War and then of course you know they went into a recession a worldwide recession and then of course it led into there was a Second World War but it was a hundred years later they were paying back the money that was borrowed and I actually think that's what's going to happen here I think some not all but a percentage of the money that we're borrowing now will all be long since gone and in a hundred years time they'll be paying it back and obviously paying back a debt a hundred years later you're paying back far less than what yeah. you would have borrowed at the, at the time. But not all of it can be signed off that way. Some of it will. Yeah. Some, some yeah, of it will. Think, yeah, but on the local businesses, but on the local businesses, yeah. you know, who I feel so, particularly like independent shops and businesses, I just feel so sorry for them. We, the rest of us, those of us that are still at work and even those of us that are out of work and are on a COVID payment and have a bit of money to spend and we, we the central bank tell us that there's so much money in savings. People will spend money in the run up to Christmas and people will spend money during this six week lockdown. We all have to do our bit and help out the local economy by making sure that we're shopping and supporting as many local businesses as we can. Yeah. We all have a role in that. And that's why the government with the, the, the pandemic payments, um, the 350 and scale down depending on, on earned wages, that that's going to feed into the multiplier effect. The multiplier effect, really, it means that for every euro that's brought into the economy, extra creates four. Yeah. So the government, it is wise to do what they're doing um, and it is going to help people it's hard to fill all the gaps, but they're doing the best they can. They're not doing it for just the good. And in relation to the, the police and all that, of our people waiting, we're in unprecedented time. They're doing the best they can as well. They don't want to be stopping people for stop people going to work or slowing things down. Having said that, I think it's a great thing that the police are there. Maybe if we took a leaf out of it and built a police force to be able to really police our roads maybe we bring safety in a better way I think Yeah but sure, during the last lockdown when the Gardaí were out there was uh, a decrease in in crimes particularly in burglaries because the yeah. travelling criminals knew there was going to be checkpoints and they couldn't get out and about on, on the road so there was a spin-off and I saw Margaret and Mallow contacted us and said about the people that are ringing in complaining about the Gardaí that are out there and the fact that they're late for work or late for school uh, Margaret said it's a joke the last time we were in lockdown no. there was people cribbing that there wasn't enough Gardaí around and now they're giving out because there's too many Gardaí around no, they can't no, please sure. all of the people all of the time no, no, we can't. And I think to be a great, it's a good lesson going forward if we could try and build it, a force like that, where we have more guardy on the road. Even drug dealers were trying to sell drugs, delivering pizzas and stuff. The guardies picked up on those. Mm. And I look, I think they're all doing the best they can under difficult situations. Some people might disagree with that, um, that they're not doing enough. It's very hard. It's like like in the old cowboy films that you'd, you'd, you'd hear the bullets but you're not sure who's going to get hit and that's what the government are trying to do is trying to figure out where are the bullets in the economy being hit where do the people socially need to be helped Okay. and I think they're doing a fabulous job in doing that Okay well the done listen, listen I'm going to let you go John uh, because I have to go to my next interview but listen thank you for that and, Can uh, I ask you Patricia from yeah. as I'm on yeah. their listeners if if they would like to a bit of plug for my company, I'm a small oh. company, Tree Top Surgery. Go on. I and my wife run it. 
And if they would like to visit my website, Treetop Surgery, look, our motto is we try harder. We'd, we'd love to hear from and, you. And you're, you're, and wor- you're working throughout the lockdown? Yes, it's been okay. extremely busy since the last arms. Look, okay. There's a few coming. I'd be one of the few that like them. All right, listen. All right. Let us know and get our position. You mind yourself. Bye bye. That is uh, John Healy of Treetop Surgery in uh, Kanturk. And yesterday we spoke with the Restaurant Association about the bombshell news that the Tawna City of Varadkar this week said that restaurants and pubs are unlikely to reopen fully before the end of the year, getting the reaction from publicans. And once again, joined by Michael O'Donovan, chair of the Cork branch of the Vintners Federation of Ireland. Uh, good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, were you shocked to hear Leo Varadkar and what he had to say on Monday or were you expecting it? No, it, it was a shock. Look, uh, I suppose we, look, when we went in listening to the Taoiseach's, uh, I suppose, speech on Monday night and talking of, you know, all in this together and the hope and having a meaningful, meaningful Christmas afterwards, I took that and I think a lot of my colleagues took it that, um, you know, we'd lock down now for the next six weeks, but once the six weeks are up, we would all return to work and we would be returning to, I suppose, phase two of the roadmap where we could open. And then when we, our CEO did that Zoom call with uh, Leo Varadkar, the Tanishta, after the questions and answers at the press conference, um, and we got word of it late, very late Monday night, it was it was a hammer blow really to think that we might only return to level three as opposed to level two because And just to remind listeners, level three is is just fifteen people outside what's been happening for the last two weeks and I think look the last two weeks here right across Cork, um I think there's been just little over sixty premises open um in, in Cork City around the county. It's been uh, of a similar number, I'd say. It's, it's about a quarter of the membership that we have, have opened. And when we got to week two, that number dropped again by 20%. So like, uh, when you're open with only 15 people outside, your business is only surviving. You're, at best, you're just paying some of your costs. But we're also talking about the December. We're the, in the middle of winter. Yeah. Outdoor dining and outdoor drinking? Yeah, it's, it's, look, it's, we've been very lucky the last two weeks that premises were allowed to operate at level three with outdoor uh, dining. The weather was good for, I suppose, of the 14 days that they were able to operate. There was probably five bad days. They had nine decent days. But, like, it it was very tough even to do it at that because it was in October. Can you imagine, as you rightly said, in December when it's uh, down to zero, one, two, three degrees, yeah, uh, maybe a that possible. day. No matter what, uh, you know, heating systems you've outdoors or windbreakers or canopies, it's still not going to be pleasant. People might sit out maybe for half an hour, 40 minutes, but they're not going to spend an evening or a night uh, at it. And it wouldn't be, a, a, look, if you were to get dressed up, go to a restaurant, eat outdoors, then maybe go to a pub afterwards for one or two drinks, it's probably, you know, is it going to be the best experience? I'm not sure. Um, so if so, if you're not allowed to open after level five, will, will that be the end for some publicans, Michael? Absolutely, it will be. Look, wow. Um, um, I suppose even at present, Patricia, I'm dealing with four publicans uh, across uh, the city and county that have decided now that they're not going to reopen. Um, and like it's at, at the moment, it's literally going through the infantry of their premises and um, they're going to probably hold on to the licences until the new year. And then I, I would imagine they'll sell them next year. Um, and like it'll be devastating for two of those four communities because like uh, it, it probably is the only social 
outlet in those communities when when word will break, I presume, in the next couple of weeks when the people themselves tell the locals. Um, it will be devastating for those areas. Um, and, like, unfortunately, I think many publicans that are over 66, I, I hate to say it, um, they're the ones that are really going to be in a tough decision uh, because they've been left behind in this uh, pandemic because, as I've said to you numerous times, they've got no support from the government. They, they don't get the pay. They're pay. not allowed to get the payment yeah, because they're like, already on a state pension, yeah. Yeah, and, like, for the last, look, eight months now, they've been eating into their savings and a lot of them have said they have to stop because if they keep going they'll have nothing left for themselves and like they I feel very sorry for them because they've paid into that pension all during their life and they've they've deserved their state pension but like we're not arguing on that point but we're saying they should have got the I suppose a subsidy to bring them level with the COVID payments. Yeah, and, yeah, and at least even bring them up to the three fifty. Yeah, and, and are you have you bills? Have you still got fixed costs coming in? My absolutely, every publican has because, like, uh, you have your insured because it's a licensed premises, commercial premises. You still have your premises insured, um, and like most of us, a lot of us would have paid our premiums monthly or whatever. But like that's going out every month. You have your utility bills. Like because you have your insurance uh, monitored alarm systems, there are a lot of, uh, are, you know, are demanded by your insurance company. So you've that expense. We still have our broadband telephone, our credit card machines, which you believe were in yearly uh, contracts with a lot of the banks on them. So they're still rolling along every month. So just because we're closed, uh, the bills um, unfortunately are still. Shocking. Any, any chance that they'll change their minds? Um, will the government change their minds? Yeah. Well, I can assure people that we are, look, yesterday we, uh, here in Cork City, the Cork Business Association, we had a, a Zoom meeting, five of us with, uh, on Taoiseach, and we um, told them in no uncertain terms that level three is, you know, it's no use to us for the month of December. We need to be at level two, because if we're not at level three, we're going to be closed, or if, if, if we're not at level two, we're going to be closed. And uh, we told them, I can assure you, it, and no uncertain terms of that. And um, and look, he 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 under he understood our plight uh, in hospitality, and he mentioned aviation. We seem to be two of the industries that are hardest struck, uh, along with our musicians. Say they're the big three that are are, are really affected by this. Um, and uh, look, he he couldn't give us any guarantees. It, it depends on how the virus goes for the next four weeks, really, and see what the numbers are. But. Hopefully, if everybody plays their part, we'll all get to have a meaningful Christmas in the okay. month of December. I'll let you go because I know you're getting ready for a Zoom call, Michael. Listen, I appreciate that. Thank you for that Thank and you, uh, look after yourself. Thank you. Bye Take bye. care. Bye-bye. That is uh, Michael O'Donovan of the Cork Chair of the Vintners Federation of Ireland. Listener says, Christmas was never supposed to be about drink. I do sympathise with all of the businesses who are under pressure. I thought a pub licence covered a specific area and couldn't be spread into the public or council area. How are they covered for insurance for the off-premises at customers, says a listener. 1850-333-103. C103 now brings you even more music variety. music variety. We've just launched a brand new radio station. C103 Anthems. Playing the biggest songs of, of, of all time. Exclusively online. To listen to C103 Anthems, download our phone app, ask your smart speaker, or go to c103.ie. C103 
Anthems. Listener on when I was speaking with Tyg Daly and the problems that they're having within the health service in recruiting staff. A listener says, why would nurses want to come back to this country to work? They can't even get a pay rise and yet they're supposed to be happy with people going out stupidly clapping for them. Remember when people went out, it was a thing really that started in England, didn't it? The clapping for the nurses for the NHS on a Thursday night and we did it for a couple of couple of weeks here in Ireland it was done and actually like while I heard a lot of nurses and doctors were delighted you know were pleased with the sentiment of it I have heard that argument before saying give us a pay rise would you rather than get out and uh, clapping for you Okay, 1850-333-103 we will take that other break and we'll head to news at 11 I'll take a look at your calls and comments coming into the programme and we have the wonderful Alice Taylor joining us in the next hour So you've got a smartphone or tablet then get the must have app so you can take us everywhere. Download the C103 app today and listen to your favourite shows on the go. Grab our podcasts and all the latest Cork news. And if you've a smart speaker, ask it to play C103. Play C103. Okay. On your phone. Tablet. Smart speaker. And radio. We are C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now, some of your thoughts coming into the programme and I want to tie in a few of these together. A listener says, Patricia, I sat in my car having my cup of coffee this morning outside a garage. It was at 7am, so nice and early. I was stunned at how many people were walking into the garage without sanitising. So I decided to start counting them. Over a 10 minute period, 19 men and one woman went in. Just two of the men used the hand sanitizer. By the way, the hand sanitizer is placed right in the centre, just inside the door. Most people ducked around it to get to the coffee machine. No one, I would guess, was over the age of 50. So they were all under 50. I also noted only five were wearing any kind of a face covering over their face. No wonder we are in lockdown, says this listener. And then I had another text in from a listener, Martina. There's a name on this, Martina and Kale Kale. Say, Patricia, good morning. During the last lockdown, I know a member of Angarda Siakona who travelled to West Cork from a faraway county up the country with their partner and their family. And then they went back to that faraway county. It seems to be one law for them and another law for us. The Gardaí would want to practice what they preach. The checkpoints are delaying people are crazy when they can travel where they want. It's so unfair. I'm sure a lot of a lot other of your listeners will agree with me. That's from Martina and Kale Kale. And then John and Butterfin said, Patricia, I once again find myself bringing this matter up now that the country has moved into level five. I feel it needs clarification. I was in a well-known store yesterday evening and saw people not wearing any face masks who was responsible for ensuring people wear face masks is it down to the management and that's from John from Butterfield so I just thought that those three individual texts that come in and they're basically all people commenting on other people's behaviour and just before I came on air today I was reading a piece from Dr Mike Ryan you know the wonderful Dr Mike Ryan the Irish man he's one of the World Health Organization's executives and he's really become so well known now because he's one of the faces for the World Health Organization's whenever they hold press briefings. And he was speaking as part of the 40th annual McGill Summer School which obviously didn't happen this year but what they've done is uh, this week it's on and they're doing it online because of the pandemic. They weren't able to have the normal uh, McGill Summer School. 
So he was talking all about the pandemic and, and he's got some fantastic things to say about Ireland. But but one of the things he was saying that for him, people need to learn to take personal responsibility. And he said that's going to be extremely important in the battle against COVID-19 going forward. And he said, and I quote from him, just because your neighbour is an idiot, it doesn't mean you have to be an, an idiot. He said, if we go back to spring and early summer, Ireland didn't do a bad job at all. So he's making the point if somebody next door to you decides, well, I'm going to do this, I'm not going to wear face masks, then leave them off. Just give them a wide berth. It's one of the things I've constantly been saying. If you go into a store, a supermarket, a shop, and a lot of the retail shops are closed now, and you go in there and you feel that the owner of that or the management of that establishment are not doing everything that they should be doing when it comes to proper hand hygiene or people allowing people in who are not wearing masks, then leave, go somewhere else. If you go into a shop and suddenly it gets very crowded and you think there's over the number of people that should be in there, leave the messages, whatever you have in the basket. I would find a manager and say, not feeling comfortable, too many in this supermarket. I'm leaving my groceries there. I'll come back at another time or I'll go to uh, another shop. A lot of this is down to personal responsibility. If other people don't want to hand sanitise like that man saying standing at the garage then let them run the risk of getting COVID-19. You just do your best to look after yourself and your own loved ones and try to give people who are acting foolishly and ignorantly just try to give them a wide berth. Don't engage in conversation with them. I mean I certainly wouldn't go anywhere near if I was in a shop and somebody didn't have a face covering I would be keeping well away away from them because we wear face coverings. I wear my face coverings to protect you and and you wear your face covering to protect me. So just keep away from somebody who doesn't have a face covering on. But John and Butterfield wondering who is responsible for ensuring people wear face coverings. I remember when the whole issue of when the regulation came in that we were to wear face coverings when we were in any kind of a retail outlet or any kind of an enclosed uh, setting. I did interviews at the time with various groups and RG Data were one of them and they made the point that it isn't up to shop owners or the staff of shop owners to force customers to wear masks. Lots of businesses have put up really good signage telling people, please wear a mask. Are you only allowed to enter the store with a mask? I have heard of some businesses, some, who have asked customers to leave if they're not wearing a mask. But other shops don't. I mean, they're leaving it up to individuals to wear the masks. But it isn't up to, it isn't the responsibility, certainly of the shop owner or of the retail staff to say to somebody, you must wear a mask. It's, it, that seems to be individual as well from store to store. Now, I think it's going to be a different ball game when the government, isn't it later today that they're voting through the legislation, which means the Gardaí can get involved and can issue fines. I think it's going to be very different then because I don't know if the Gardaí are going to start walking into supermarkets, walking into shops to make sure people are wearing masks. Or once somebody can be fined, the management of the store, the shopkeeper certainly could ring the Gardaí and say, I have people in here and they're not wearing masks and maybe the Gardaí will come and react. So whether that's going to be different or not. But I think the majority of people, I know, John, you, you came across some people yesterday who weren't wearing masks, but I, I certainly think from what I'm seeing the majority of people are wear, wearing masks as I say we're always going to get the people that won't do it we'll also get the people who feel that they can't do it they feel for a medical reason but as I say to anyone like that who genuinely feels they can't breathe with the mask 
then at least get one of the face visors be seen to be at least trying to protect other people that you were around because that's what you're doing you are protecting other people by wearing your mask and then somebody says with regards to masks this sister says what are the implications for people breathing the spent air from that they're breathing out breathing it back in by having a face mask on is this another health problem waiting to happen don't think it is because face masks while they're new to us here in this country if you look to any of the Asian countries they've been wearing face masks for years and and years and I think if there was any health implication from breathing you breathing back in the air you're breathing out I think we would well well know about it at, at this stage some of your calls coming in to John Paul Angela in Formoy says it's very worrying the response from the HSC this is to do with the Nightingale nursing home outside of Galway very worrying the response from the HSE after they knew what happened and the fact only two workers were on duty but it doesn't surprise me said Angela listening to the excuses the HSE give you Patricia over the years I do question the management sometimes they look like overpaid civil servants says uh, Angela Jerry in Carrick Tool this is a couple of calls in about Garda checkpoints that were out today this morning Carrick Tool Village was a joke says Jerry. People started avoiding the dual carriageway and they went via the village. And what did that do? It caused a backup on the back roads. Sean also from Carrick Tools says we knew we know the checkpoints are necessary. But can they not alternate them or control them or do them at a different time? I was delayed 15 minutes this morning leaving Carrick Tool. The back roads to Glenmire were packed. Then when I reached Blackpool, now the Gardaí were there, they were out in force, but they were just waving on the traffic. So at least in Blackpool, while traffic was heavy, it was uh, moving where it was completely backed up on the N25. And John in Mallow says the Gardaí are telling people to get up early and, you know, allow extra time for your journey. If you are getting your children up and trying to get them into school, you can't be on the roads at 4am in the morning. I feel in some areas the Gardaí are just pushing the buttons at the moment. This is coming from the top down, i.e. the orders are coming from the top down, but it's creating hassle for people and people are already under enough stress as it is. That's from John in uh, Mallow. John in Mahan says he was watching the BBC Wales news this morning and he said all the supermarkets in Wales are only allowed to sell food items, essential items. They're not allowed to sell drapery. Uh, Drapery has to close here. Draperies had to close here in this country. The same should be happening here in Ireland. Now, that's an argument I've seen put forward by a number of people and saying that the big multinationals in particular, you know, the bigger supermarkets, you know, they have all of the different aisles. They'll have drapery. They'll have electrical goods. Some of the larger supermarkets will have a toy aisle. And that does seem very, very unfair to the smaller independent stores that have to close. So I didn't realise that. So that's what they've done in Wales because obviously they're in similar lockdown. I think it's done by areas so to what we have here in Ireland in that all of the smaller retail stores had to close. So to make it a level playing pitch, that's a good move. That's a good move. What's happening in Wales, the supermarkets that are open are only allowed to sell the essentials. Could we see that happening here? I don't know. This is Gat on Twitter. 
on C103 Twitter uh, on pub closures apart from this personal human loss of the business the loss and closure of some pubs will also be a huge loss to Irish tourism going forward a lot of tourists when they get off the planes or the ferries the first thing they do is head to the local pub on reaching our stores shores will this also be the death nail for traditional Irish music yeah, a lot of musicians will go under as well and Martin and Enniskeen was listening to John our tree surgeon who joined us in the last hour talking about positivity and talking about Bill that needed to be paid and how small businesses make money one year and that's used for stock for the following year. Martin says I agree with everything that your caller John had to say. There's no point in just paying off bills. There needs to be more compassion coming from the government on how we deal with everything. It's not just about writing off a debt. And actually somebody else, when we were talking about the the debt that we will have to pay from COVID-19 says let let us not forget the national debt we have a huge national debt in this country and some of your WhatsApps coming in to us this is on the hand sanitizer when we spoke about the hand sanitizer that's been recalled not all schools some schools because it seems the Department of Education gave a list of approved suppliers that schools could go to for their PPE gear and this particular one Vera Pro hand sanitizer was on the list of approved sanitizers for schools but then we found out on Tuesday that the Department of Agriculture has recalled that particular hand sanitizer not just from schools they've taken it off the market completely because it's been in some GP surgeries as well and we're told anyone who has it at home shouldn't be using it either because of the problems it's causing for some uh, not for others so it has been withdrawn from schools Uh, any of the schools using it. This listener uh, says, um, it's amazing how funding is available for schools who need to get extra sanitizer now or anything else that they need for COVID. And before this, they couldn't get a penny from the government for essentials. My granddaughter has been complaining about the hand sanitizer in her school because she's had problems with it. Why can't pupils use their own hand sanitizer? She has it with her all the time and she's no problem with the particular brand that obviously that's been bought at home. There are better ways to do things, but nobody seems to listen. And that's from a Mitchellstown listener. Thank you for that. Hi, Patricia. It appears to me that the government are using the COVID lockdown to destroy and eliminate small independent retailers around the country. If this is not the case, then it is obvious that they've not put any thought into the lockdown and what businesses will be and how businesses will be affected. We have large multinational supermarket chains. Ah, this is the point similar to what's going on in Wales. We have large multinational supermarket chains operating in this country. They sell a wide range of goods outside of the food products and they're allowed to continue selling them. Everything from clothes to shoes to fashion accessories, hardware, toys, alcohol, etc. Yet retailers who just specialise in some of those goods have been forced to close. The situation is wrong and it should be rectified if the government are serious about what is happening in this country. It is incredible that our politicians are silent on this. There are many businesses that could still be operating by observing the recognised appropriate guidelines and safeguards. And they were, businesses were doing really well when it came to keeping themselves safe and keeping their customers safe and limiting the number of people inside in the shop and making sure everyone was hand uh, sanitising. And a lot of those small businesses put a lot of money into making their businesses COVID safe. And then they only got a couple of months in some cases or for the pubs, two weeks, and then they had to close again. It does seem very unfair. But Christy, you're right. And that's why I thought it was interesting when I heard from the other listener who saw that report from BBC Wales that in Wales, 
they've done just that. They've said to the multinational supermarkets, you're an essential service. We need you for the food items that you sell, but you can't sell anything else. You've got to block off in your stores all of the other... if you're selling clothes, if you've got a hardware department or an electrical section or if you've got a toy section, you have to block, block it off. And that would make it a level, a level playing pitch. Christy, you're right. Thank you for your text and hope you're keeping well. 1850 Hi, Patricia. Hope you're managing to smile. I am. It's a bank holiday weekend, even though it's another strange bank holiday uh, weekend. This sister says, I was talking to my neighbour on the phone and she made me think of another means of isolation that the elderly live with. So much information now is available online and all you hear is check out this website or if you want to find out the information you can go to that website but many people her age she's an 82 year old don't have internet access and she said to me on the phone we are the forgotten ones everything is all about the young and nobody except those that have family care nobody but family care if we live or die alone anymore. Heartbreaking words made worse because we are becoming an ageist society. We're forgetting the fact that everybody will be old one day. So much we don't consider until we get a wake up call. Maybe when a website is mentioned anywhere we should remember not everyone has access to the website and we should include a telephone number too. How right you are. And it's one of the reasons actually when we went into this lockdown and when the announcement came on Monday evening that we were going into the lockdown from midnight on Wednesday night and when I came in to the office and I was talking to John Paul and Sadie and we were downloading from the gov.ie website which gives you all of the information and all of the detail on the businesses that could open and what wasn't allowed to open and all the do's and don'ts of Level 5 and we were very aware that we would have people listening to us, some of our older listeners who wouldn't have access to the internet, who wouldn't be able to go on gov.ie. Now there are some fantastic older people who are very, very internet savvy and well able to do it. But this listener is right. Not all of them. And we have to be aware of there are other people who are really feeling isolated because they can't even get the information that they need. And that's one of the reasons why certainly for Tuesday, Wednesday and even up to yesterday, we were inundated with calls and texts and we put it out there and we said to people, if you have a question, didn't matter how silly you thought the question was, if you're confused about something, let us know. And then we did our best because obviously we had the internet access here. We were able to, if we didn't have the answer ourselves, we were certainly able to find, you know, email whatever department it was and get the answer and get the answer back uh, to the people that know. So yes, I'm, I'm very much aware of that. And I suppose you're obviously really good to your elderly neighbour by chatting with her on the phone. Keep her up to date and if you have the internet access, find out the information for her and we can all play a role here in helping out and, you know, offering that hand of friendship and making sure that older people who don't have access to the internet, that they are kept well informed and they, that they are kept up to date. Thank you for your WhatsApp, by the way, to 086 to 103 103. And can I say well done to you for even bringing it up and mentioning it and giving me the opportunity to talk about it and make other people aware of it. You're the example of good neighbours and there is nothing like a good neighbour. At times a good neighbour can actually be better than a family member. 1850 333 103. C103 Jobs. 
Charleville Plantar, they're recruiting for an access fitter, while a stores operative is wanted for Quartertown Industrial Estate, that's in Mallow. Office administrator slash accounts assistant that's required to work one day a week in Ballylanders. And a creche manager is wanted for a childcare facility in Ballyhas. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is the Court Today replay on C103. During the summer, I spoke with Alice Taylor, much-loved author, about her latest book, which was A Cocoon with View, which was penned during our first lockdown. Well, Alice has been busy this year because she's just published another book. Now, this one contains treasures from an Irish childhood and it's called Books from the Attic. And delighted to say Alice joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Alice. Good morning, Patricia. You are very welcome. Your Thank cocooning you. book went straight to the bestsellers charts. <laughs> yeah. Now, that doesn't surprise me because I thought it was... It was a, very clever little book. You must have been thrilled with that, though. Well, it was because, you know, I, I, I just wrote it as it happened because I, I, I'm kind of a journal anyway. And uh, I thought, God, if cocooning, you know, if it doesn't... There's one thing, Patricia, this virus, it could kill our bodies, but we have to mind our minds. That's, I think that's so important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the cocooning book was, was a kind of... Um, yeah, a bit of a light-hearted approach, you know, that, that, that we could survive. And how are you feeling as we settle into lockdown number two? <laughs> <laughs> I, saw, I suppose, Patricia, we're all a bit less enthusiastic. Could we say that? Yeah. But I suppose we just have to apply ourselves. And you were saying there what the, the head of World Health was saying, so wise, we, each individual do the best we can and stop giving out about everyone else. Do the best we can. Put on the mask, sanitise, walk. You know, that's all we can do really, isn't it? And we're doing it for ourselves. We're doing it for the country, really. We are. We are. Do you find the mask uncomfortable? No, I don't really. Do you not? I have a great variety of them, Patricia. Because a very industrious woman out in Britain, I I love people who, who kind of make the best of a situation. She made lovely masks. And my son brought me a bundle of them. And you know what he said? He said, you know, no, ma'am, you're going to have as many masks as knickers at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) And we do. We do. Every wash I do, I can't get over the number of masks that are coming out. Yeah, you know, wash it every night. I I wash it. You don't even have to wash it. Pour the boiling kettle over it. And I hang it outside the back door on a little little pig and let it dry out in the fresh air and start the morning after with another one. And I mean, you different pattern ones and bright, happy little ones. And um, so, Patricia, every time you change your 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 shirt or your jumper, change your mask. Yeah, and I love the fact some of the ladies are colour coordinating their masks. And <laughs> I'll never be that organised. I have to say, I'm never that organised. Yeah. But sometimes I'm looking in supermarkets, thinking, God. Her mask actually matches her coat. Yeah. You know, it's great, yeah. great. You have to admire the Oh, you yeah, would. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. But, how, but what are your tips for surviving lockdown? Well, I'll tell you now, Patricia, this, this um, October and going to November, I'm after planting a lot of tulips. Because last year, tulips kept me sane. Tulips and daffodils. When you know when, the, when it broke originally mm. in March, and uh, I had done it the previous autumn, it, it, almost as if I was forewarned. And I thought, oh, thank God for the garden, you know. And then, so this year I thought, 
we don't know what way we'll be in March. Hopefully we'll be all dancing in the streets, but maybe we mightn't. And um, so I, I planted loads of tulips with cock bulbs. They're here in our parish and uh, they supply bulbs all over. And um, daffodils, um, tulips, I planted them. And I'm doing the window boxes. I do window boxes every winter. I have no out yet. I'm waiting for the primalist to come. Uh, you know, Patricia, we need flowers this winter. More than, More ever. than ever. More than ever. And yes. I know Peter Dowdell always, our gardener, gives the tip yes. about staggering the planting of the bulbs yes. so that the daffodils will come up. There'll be a bust and them will come up one week and then yes. another bust will come up the next That's week. Right. It's a great, great way to do yes. it. Yeah, we need busts of everything now. We do, we do. So yeah. there's a good tip for, for people heading into midterm. Yeah. Great, great time to get planting. Yeah. Now, your latest book, as I mentioned, is uh, Books from the Attic yeah. and it is a exactly what it says on the tin it is books that are in your attic and when I got the book I was thinking okay I wonder what these books in the attic are yeah. going to be about they're, your, they're school books the school books my mother was a hoarder and she kept all our school books my husband was a hoarder and kept all his and we had a lovely wonderful cousin Conor Conor from Ireland Davin who came to stay with us who was teaching Bandon he was a bookman and a hoarder and they all went off to the library in the sky and Alice was left with all these old books including all the old school books. And Patricia, they, they were stored up in the attic. And every so often, do you know when you go through old books up there in mountains down the Russian Lane? Do you remember those poems? Yeah, I do. And I Wander Lonely as a Cloud. Yeah. I, you know, you go into them and I say, God, I better do something with these. Because if I don't do something with these, no, it is a terrible thought, but the chances are they could finish up and escape. I know, because they won't have meaning to anybody they else. The, the next generation won't have any connection with them. So um, so it was at the back of my head for years. And, um, uh, you, know, you know, your conscience, Shakespeare said conscience makes cowards of us all, which is no bad thing at times. So I thought I'd better get cracky on that. So I've been kind of hatching this book for a long, long time. So finally I got down to it. It was a bigger job than I anticipated, uh, Patricia, because there was such a huge variety of books. The books on the curriculum in the 40s and 50s and indeed into the 60s, they were very well put together books. They, we had wonderful poets. We had Irish poets, uh, Pierce and um, Yeats. But then we had Shelley and Wordsworth. And, you know, we, we had wonderful poetry and we had wonderful lessons. We called them our poetry and our lessons. And um, the lessons were, were the prose, really, like. And they were very, um, you know, they were an education for us. They were about, you know, I remember one that tell us about the salmon coming up the river to spawn. And we, you know, we had a, a river in the in the farm. And, of course, the salmon did come up to spawn. And then there was loads of lessons about birds and wildlife and about the haws and... We learned about the countryside in which we were living from those books. So the guys who compiled those books, I said, they were there. They're very clever. They were very clever. And I loved the, the, and I would have been, I was the fourth of, there was three sisters ahead of me and I was the fourth one down. So yeah. I got the hand-me-down, <laughs> the hand-me-down books. Um, and, and I loved the way you spoke about that because we were a generation where books got passed on. And, and, right. I, and I was in school in the 70s. We were still passing on books uh, right. to each other. But uh, you got a new book and, and the smell of a new school book. Yes, and you never got a new school book. I was, Patricia, I was at the end of Five Girls. Oh. <laughs> so, and then that time as well, you see, the books and the curriculum were never changed. Yeah. Because they were the same every year. And if you didn't have the book in your house, you went across the fields to the neighbour. 
and they put at it. And of course, these old books got written on. And when I found them up in the attic, Patricia, there was the names of people, the neighbours. Yeah. One of them actually was dated 1907. He had gone to school with my father. Could you believe that? And that book was still, my mother had kept that book. But I got a new book in first class because I'd say every, all the Kinkora readers prior to me had fallen asunder, I'd say, from wear and tear. I got a new book and I can, I'll never forget the smell of it, the feel of it. And I thought it was wonderful because books were very scarce that time. We didn't have the County Council Library and we didn't have the shoals of children's books that we have now. Yeah, and you looked after the books because it had had to be passed on. Yeah, and the first lesson in that book was take good care of me. It was a book talking to me. Yeah. And I did take good care of him. I was in awe of my beautiful book. And I remember the poems. I still remember the, one of the poems was, Michael met a white duck walking in the green. How are you, says Michael? How fine the weather's been. And of course, we had ducks. And of course, <laughs> the biggest duck then became Michael. And there was the ant and the cricket. And that was the ant and the cricket poem, like, was a very um, smart poem. He taught children about, you know, about looking after things. And My Shadow, I remember Robert Louis Stevenson, a lovely poem, My Shadow, which made us very aware of our shadows. And in you, you have a photograph contained in, in the book of, it was your copy of Macbeth with That's your true. name, Alice Taylor Macbeth, in beautiful joined up handwriting. Oh, yeah. And you had got out a pencil and a ruler and you drew a line yes. to write your name. That's right. I was well, I remember that. doing that. I remember doing because <laughs> you wanted it perfect. You wanted That's your name right. perfect. I suppose our books were so precious because we walked into the secondary school in America, the three miles in and three miles out, and with a bag of books on our backs. And uh, our books were so precious to us. But I loved Shakespeare. I loved Macbeth, and I loved As You Like It. I mean, Shakespeare had a quote for every situation in life. And yeah. I still have my my uh, my Macbeth, and uh, I still uh, yeah. I still look at it. Yeah. My mother, I was very grateful to my mother. I mean, that woman had seven children, to, you know, sort of it. She was she had hens, she had chickens, she had geese, she had ducks, and she, you know, country women that time were fantastic. I always think they were the first of the working wives, and that woman minded all our school books and put them up on the black loft. So that was our attic, the black loft. And um, she minded all our school books. It's incredible. I mean, I wonder how many people listening today can say they still have school books. Yeah. That, you know, because there, there's something really special about there? remembering a book from school and in particular um, a school day poem. That's right. You'll never forget them. And if you say the first line, you know... Somebody um, will come straight yeah, in with the, with, with the next one. Everybody remembers, put off and on my couch, I lie in vacant or in pensive mood. You know, they flash yeah. upon that inward eye, this is the, the bliss of solitude. The minute you see daffodils on that poem, rent your mind. And the one, and you, you've, you have it included, that I say every time there's a bit of snow, the north wind doth blow and we oh, shall yes. have snow. And, and snow. of course, that's the one about the robin and I'm a big fan of robins. And, <laughs> and so are you. You like the robin as oh, well. I love the robins. He's such a brave little boy. And as soon as you're out in the garden, as soon as you put a spade in the earth, he's right there with you. You know, and he's not a bit afraid. You and d- picking up these books as well, is it like meeting up with a long lost friend? It is. It 
geez, I mean, I still have my Kinkora reader that, that, one, that I wrote the first chapter about Take Good Care of Me. I still have that. And I think most people, a lot of people might have one or two maybe. Yeah. But I think in this in this book, Books from the Attic, that when they go into it, it will bring back memories flooding. And, you know, Patricia, when we went to school, you know, it, I mean, our schools weren't comfortable. They were, we were frozen. And they were, you know, there was wind whipping under the door and corporal punishment was in. And maybe they, a lot of people mightn't have great memories of their school days. Yeah. But it's wrong to blame the books. Yeah, absolutely. Somebody's saying, I'd love to get a, uh, get that poem about the ant and the cricket. What is in the book? It's, the ant and the cricket is right it, in there. It's in the book. It's, it's, in, it's, the in, book. it's in the book and the book is called uh, Books from, from, the, from the Attic. Yes. Uh, so it is, it, it, it is actually um, uh, in there. Um, and then the covering, the other one that made me smile and brought me back to my school days was how we covered school oh, books yes. with brown paper yeah. or, or wallpaper. Yeah. We, we used wallpaper. That's right. Which you say that to a young generation today. I was saying it to my, my niece who's living with me at the moment and yeah. she's only 21 and I said, God, we used to cover it. She said, why would you cover it in wallpaper? <laughs> and I said, well, you couldn't go out and buy brown paper. You used brown paper that you had. That's right, that's But I said, we, we had wallpaper. She said, well, what about the plastic covering? That you? I said, we didn't have plastic oh, covering no. to pull over books. No, no. But, no, no. but, but it was, there were, and, and there was something, now the only thing we didn't do, we didn't sit on the books like he did oh, to flatten it out. To flatten them. <laughs> to flatten them because you had to get them into your school bag and uh, the sacks. You had to get them in, and there was something lovely about their being flattened. And we'd sit in them, and then if, if we, you know, children wouldn't be that heavy, but we'd always have rovers at night. And when they sat around the fire, we had Bill, who, who was who was um, went to school with my father, and Bill used to always teach us our lessons. He lived on the hill behind our house, and Bill was a fine, big, heavy man, and he had a fine, big, fat, heavy backside. And we would put them under Bill's bottom, and Bill would flatten the books. <laughs> <laughs> well done, well done, Bill. Um, somebody says, Alice Taylor, Liz says, Alice Taylor, what a tonic and so true. I still love poetry, which got me thinking when you looked at these poetry, the poetry, do you have a new appreciation for some of the poems looking at them through an adult's eyes? Oh, I do. And you know something, um, Patricia, do you know who really stopped me in my tracks when I went, when I went through all the old books in the attic? I came across the complete works of Pierce. Uncle wow. Jackie had them. And I had, now we had learned, of course, the Wayfarer and the Mother. We all learned those in school. But I had never, and I, you know, Misha Eyre, Shinemane, and Clockbearer. I remember repeating, doing that in a concert in a market when I was about 15. And I was terrified. And I said it, and I didn't know one more of the meaning of what I was saying. But I learned it off. But Misha Eyre, and um, I had never read The Rebel. Have you read The Rebel, Patricia? No, I haven't. It's I haven't. Pierce's longest poem. A lot of people now taught it in school books and I read it and I put it in because it explains so much of Irish history. It was a poem that Pierce wrote before 1916. Wow. And it wow. explains 1916. And then I loved Yeats's poem, um, Easter 1916 because you know sometimes history is so revisionist like if I'd write about something 100 years after sure he can justify it take a different angle on anything absolutely Yeats was a contemporary and he wrote um, I always thought the name of the poem was A Terrible Beauty is Born and it isn't it's Easter 1916 is the name of the poem that Yeats wrote and he wrote that poem about Pierce now they were from totally different worlds 
But at the same time, Yeats uh, was observing what was happening with the eye of a poet. So the two of those poems are in the same chapter because I think they were contemporaries from two different stratas of absolutely, society absolutely. and striving to understand each other. So in a way, I did, I learned, Patricia, I learned more doing this book than I did from any other book I've written. That's brilliant. That, yeah. that is yeah. brilliant. Somebody says on the covering of, of the books with the newspaper, with the wallpaper and with brown paper, then contact came into, yeah, it was That's contact right. came into stuff for, for covering books. But I'm sure that was well into the 80s oh before, God, that, before that came in. Patricia, we didn't even have seller tape. No. You know, so that's, that's why, why I had to squash them down. Yeah, you had to put a big lap overlapping them. And then, you see, they had to be well covered and the sacks were leather fine because coming home from school, if anything exciting happened, if we were catching collies or, or going down into the river or any kind of diversion looking into birds' nests, should we throw the sacks into dikes and top of ditches and everything <laughs> what we were doing? So the, the books had to be well insulated because they'd be, should they be in Bruce we'd be at home otherwise. Just listening to Alice and the books, I loved my Leaving Sir Shakespeare book, yes. Hamlet, says Cathy yes. and Mallow. I still have that book 51 years later. Isn't that fantastic? And Anne says, I have my mother who would be 90 this year. Her catechism, uh, we oh, learned from we, the very same catechism when we went to school. That's mm. a collector's item That now. is, that is. Yeah, really that is. I hope, Patricia, that this will make people, uh, you know, do a bit of poking in the under the bed or in old presses and find their old school books and revisit them and and appreciate them for what they were. You know, the things when we were children, I suppose we, you know, they coloured our minds without we being aware of it. Mm. You know, and they gave us a great appreciation. That generation, you had to have a great appreciation of poetry. And, and it came from those school books. And I think the Shakespeare, you know, the... Macbeth and, and uh, Hamlet. You know, funny, I didn't do Hamlet, but the little secondary school we went to, the leaving certain 50 were in the same room. There was only seven or eight in both classes. And um, uh, so the, the, the leave, when the leaving set were doing Hamlet, we were doing Macbeth. But we did, for God's sake, we were in the same room. We did, we did Hamlet as well. Yeah, yeah. Because we listened. Like well, yeah, yeah. People learn. And, and those days, I don't know whether they still today, you used to have to learn it off. Oh, Oh and, you my know, God! At the time, we didn't see the point. But I'm delighted we learned about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could, Hannah, still, I could still quote Lady Macbeth. You know, you know, I love her quote. Um, to eat were best at home. From thence the sauce to meet is company. Company were dull without it. You're better off to eat at home if you're not out with good company. That's true. That's but true. Hannah, in, we're all eating at home. We now. Would, we've no choice. <laughs> Hannah Mallow said, "I just found the Huckleberry Finn book earlier in the week when clearing out old boxes in a spare room. Happy memories." Actually, I did Huckleberry Finn from by what was the Intercept at certain those days. Actually, that's a book I haven't read in years. So I'm, yeah, I might that, read I that again. Uh, Joan in from says one of my poems as a party piece, one that Joan learned in school, was "The Old Woman of the Road." Oh, yeah, and Anna in Mitchestown says, I found the Anne and Barry books from my son last night while clearing out a cabinet in an old, uh, in a bedroom. Yeah. It brought back happy memories of their primary uh, school lovely? days. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah. And I have to ask you, are the books gone back up into the attic? They are. Are they? And, no, well, not totally. I, I have to, I, 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 I'm a rocking chair. I have two attics, uh, Patricia. I mean, I'm a hoarder. I mean, I, I don't like to admit it. No hoarder admits to being a hoarder. <laughs> like, 
But anyway, I, I, on top of the stairs, I have what I partially call a nat room. Now, it is, it, is, it is an ordinary room, but I do a bit of painting. And I have a rocking chair there, and I have a stack of them beside the rocking chair, and I pick them up, and I, I, I go through them. And there's something lovely about them. You know, there's something lovely about old books. And, um, you know, you're, I think... When you go back over them now, I think there'll be no appreciation for these. They were little jewels. They were. They were. were And listen, we're into this six-week lockdown, whether we like it or not. And I'd say to people, maybe who haven't read a book in a while, now is the time to get get back into that love of... I think Patricia books will save our sanity. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny the amount of people that are remembering the covering of the the old covering of the books. You're bringing <laughs> back so many memories. Hi, Patricia. Th- um, thank you for having Alice Taylor on the program today. Really brought back very happy memories. I used to cover my children's books in the wallpaper as well. You worked yeah. on your own and a Cork City. That's a Cork City listener. Somebody else, Patricia. I remember covering the school books with brown paper from the meal bags. That's right. We took out the middle part That's of the right. bag. Yeah, I, Patricia, I still do that. You know, not covering books, but wrapping parcels because I've I've an East married to a farmer and he brings me the the, 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 the you know the, the paper bags that calf meal or something coming and if you take out the outer layer and take out it, you know take away the outer layer take out, bring in the inner layer and cut them with a scissors she will find brown paper yeah I see nothing was wasted no because we had not we yeah we were very sure Patricia we were into the environment we were a lot smarter than we were given credit for. <laughs> and you're you're bringing back memories to people now. This is from uh, this is from the Merchant of Venice, and if I'm not mistaken, this is from Portia. The quality of mercy is not strained. Oh. Somebody says I remember that well from the Merchant of uh, yeah. Venice. Yeah. Okay, and somebody else says, yeah, that paper inside the uh, from the meal bags, it was really clean paper. It okay. is, you know, it's still. Don't be wasting it. Don't be wasting Listen, it. Listen, Alice, as always, it is a pleasure. The book is called Books from the Attic, Treasures from an Irish Childhood. It's available in all good bookshops. We'll speak again soon. You look after yourself and stay safe. Thanks, Patricia. Thanks a million. Thanks. Bye-bye. Nick Richards plays Cork's greatest hits for your workday on C103. The instantly recognisable Annie Lennox. You know what? People do recognise me. Walking on, walking on. Ashley listens in, don't you? Uh, yeah, um, wow. Uh, <laughs> Playing Cork's greatest hits while you work. Nick Richards, weekdays from 1. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Certainly my chat with Alice Taylor in the last hour has triggered people to have memories of their own school days and in fairness Alice did say not all school days were good for a lot of people. She was in school in an era where corporal punishment uh, was there as well and this one listener says I hate it with a passion learning off poetry. I remember I would rather have been asked to write poetry than actually learn it off. Why were we always asked what the poet might have meant? Would a poet not have said what they had meant and mean um, what and then we were clattered if we didn't know a poem Alice is painting a very rosy picture it wasn't rosy for many of us uh, abusive and a nasty regime uh, for children that's what school was yeah but as I say Alice did touch on that and she didn't say you know but uh, 
but I always and it was a very dark time for a lot of children and I absolutely can feel the pain of your school days coming from from that particular text and uh, you know we'll never take away from that and thankfully corporal punishment is gone is long 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 gone and may never come back uh, Mary thank you for your text Mary says I salvaged a lot of old books when the convent closed down in North Cork there was some music books from 1907 lovely reading the poetry also there was a book from my husband it was an Irish book and he'd be 65 now so it looks like there are a number of people who've kept old school books I didn't think I didn't think there was it was just when I was reading Alice's book I said I would love to have had a school book from when I was in uh, school somebody else says I still have my school books and I also have some of my mother's school books and she was born in 1920 and from a grand aunt who was born sometime in the 1800s I must go and look from them now after listening to Alice as I'm doing my family tree kind regards lovely listening to Alice what a wonderful person yeah she is indeed and then when we were talking because it was something that I certainly we didn't do in our household, household Alice was saying that when they covered the books you know end of August start of September they're about to get back to school and they covered it with old brown paper or with the wallpaper and she said and you'd have to sit on them to flatten all the books or get somebody else in the household to, to sit on them that reminds Esther of something that she used to do she had my school uniform had pleats down the front and the back I used to put it under the mattress on a Friday evening and it would be perfect on Sunday night for school the next day I didn't have to get the iron out it was nicely pleated by, people, by, by Esther sleeping in the bed thank you for that 1850 okay just a couple of other things in hi Patricia my mother is buried in Mallow Cemetery and I live in Cork City. Will it be possible to continue visiting her grave during Level 5? Thanking you and that is from Peter. Yep, Peter, it was one of the things that they actually mentioned because they certainly looked back at the first lockdown and worked out what worked and what didn't work for people and when we were in our first lockdown and then we were only allowed to travel two kilometres and then five kilometres one of the things that we certainly heard a lot about were from people very distraught because they couldn't visit a loved one's grave because they were buried outside of the two or the five kilometre so it was one of the things this time when the government came out with level five that they changed while they were asking all of us stick within the five kilometres unless your journey is absolutely essential and necessary so if you need to go outside the five kilometres for shopping that's fine but they actually specifically mentioned visiting a grave so you're fine if you got stopped by the guardie on the way you can tell them exactly what you're doing that you live in the city and that you're heading to Mallow to visit your mum's grave that's uh, you you are able to do that that you, you will be okay okay also coming in to uh, us okay this is on the hand sanitising remember somebody was saying that they had they sat in their car drinking their cup of coffee and they couldn't get over the number of people who just walked by the hand sanitizer and didn't sanitise their hand. Somebody puts forward what could be an explanation for that. Hi Patricia, I heard what some people were, were saying about watching others who are not hand sanitising going into a garage or, you know, going into a shop or whatever. Maybe some of those people use their own hand sanitizer in their car before entering the garage. I myself nearly always use my own sanitizer before entering shops. As in a lot of the shops, they only have the bottles that you have to handle that everybody else has handled and there could be virus on it. I find Tesco have the safest way to sanitise without having to touch anything they've one of the some of them some yeah some I've been some chemists as well that do that you know they're the automatic ones that's from a Mitchellstown a listener who says before people start pointing the fingers to why that person isn't sanitising maybe they have already sanitised themselves. Hi Patricia listening to your programme uh, as usual uh, thank you for that the co 
the COVID-19 virus will never go away while house parties are still taking place. Now, I'm not blaming young people. I am, by the way, in my 60s. Do they not think of the consequences? No masks on, they're not social distancing and the amount of drink that they get for a party could last them three days. A thousand euro fine doesn't seem to be putting them off. The guards should stop these, apart from stopping motorists going to and from work or going to dropping children off for school. These parties are well known to local people. So what's going on? Do the young people think they won't get this killer virus? I really don't know where their priorities lie. Well, the the Gardaí will be able to start fining people now if they catch them at parties. I think it's today, isn't it? The the legislation has been passed, even though I did read somewhere that it could be November, I think, before the fines will actually be in place. But they, they will be fined the young people and not just young people because remember it wasn't when they looked and they contact traced people who got COVID-19 they did find out that it wasn't just young people at parties it was families who had communion parties confirmation parties it was families who got together to remember a loved one with a funeral and you know the crowd just got too big and social distancing and people were in houses to, together so it's people gathering in in households because one of the main ways where COVID-19 has spread when you look at all the different types of like workplace or retail outlet or a gym, one of the highest proportion of cases have come from individual houses, people gathering in in households. That's why in level five we're told not to visit anybody else's house. 1850 and just on a little bit of a good news when it comes to COVID-19, thank you to Heidi for this, uh, sent this on to me. It's a piece that is coming out of the United Kingdom and it's coming out from the Daily Mail and it is to do with the COVID-19 vaccine which is developed at Oxford University and the one at Oxford University is the one I think that is the global front runner. They hit the ground running in Oxford when they started developing vaccines and it's the one that always seems to be showing the most promise. But anyway, the one they're working on works perfectly and it builds strong immunity to the virus. Great hopes on the vaccine, which as I say is the global front runner, has been shown to safely trigger an immune response in volunteers given in the early trials. But unlike traditional vaccines, which use a weakened virus or small amounts of the virus, this innovative Oxford jab actually causes the body to make part of the virus itself and new researchers led by the University of Bristol has found this daring technology works for the coronavirus just as it has for similar viruses in the past so there's a bit of good news as we head into the uh, weekend some further success on that Oxford coronavirus trial which has already gone into human trials and has been tested all over the world so that certainly is good news. Okay, let me give some of the get up and go diaries away that we spoke about earlier in the week We have three diaries to give away, a young person's diary, a gratitude diary and a get up and go diary for the busy woman. We're going to do it by text, okay? That way it gives everybody a chance. We'll open the text message for about five minutes. Get your text or your WhatsApp in to 086 and then we'll randomly select our three winners. So we'll have a young person's diary, a gratitude diary are a diary for the busy woman. Get texting now on that please 0862 103 103 if you'd like to win one of our Get Up and Go diaries for uh, today. Now Halloween is just around the corner and we know that the young people are breaking up for their midterm break and actually when I was coming to work this morning I was dropping Marsha off to her 
day placement and I couldn't get over the amount of little children that were going to school dressed up. There was, you know, there were witches and ghouls and goblins and children. And I was thinking, yeah, you know, life has, we're trying to make life as normal as possible for, for the smallies. And Halloween is going to be different this year. I don't know if we're going to have anybody going out trick-or-treating because the advice is that the children shouldn't be really going from door to door. So we sent our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran out and about around Cork and we've been finding out about different things that are happening in Cork for Halloween and first Fiona chats to children on what they would be dressing up for this Halloween. They're creepy and they're cookie. That's right. A unicorn. How are you going to do that? Buy it already. And what are you going to dress up for? The same. Two two times. Get on the Ghost. Um. It's black and it has a skeleton in it. Despite the lockdown, these kids have their Halloween costumes ready and while most of the traditional events have been cancelled this year, there are still some ghoulish activities happening here in Cork. We hope to have a skeleton boat, a mast and some other bits and pieces along along the route from the butter exchange right down to the river. The Dragon of Shandon Parade has been cancelled but the crew at Cork Community Art Link will be placing their magnificent pieces along the route from tomorrow until the 31st of October. Michelle Moriarty says people can enjoy it in a safe way. People will be able to walk along in their own time and spot all the different installations along the way. So hopefully you'll be able to spot everything. It'll be all nicely lit up and hopefully look a little bit scary and a little bit eerie. And if people can't get into the city because of the travel limits, Michelle says they can see it along with many spooky craft ideas on their website. If people want to take part in actually learning how to make the skeletons, um, there are different tutorials on there and we will also be videoing different parts of the installations as they go together and get lit up. And what's your website? Uh, www.corkcommunityartlink.com Artist Grace Mitchell has been telling me about Blarney Abu. What we want people to do is create some Halloween themed art. Um, it could be pumpkin carving or maybe a painting or um, decorations, anything really, but to put it kind of at the front of their house, just to kind of spread the, the kind of Halloween joy, <laughs> fear, scariness, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then we're going to put all of the photographs that are sent in to us up on the Moscow News website. And she has some ideas to get people started. There's loads of like YouTube tutorials and kind of like just Google Halloween craft and Pinterest will bring up several million images of things that you can do. <laughs> it's like going zombies are not perfect anyway. And they shouldn't be. And you know, it's it's going into your sock drawer and making a spider out of an old pair of tights or going into you know the recycling bin and just digging out things and, and, and you know going at it. There will be prizes for the best display and Grace says they'll also happily accept photos from people from all over Cork. The UCC Environmental Society has come up with a way of getting students together this Halloween as Isabel O'Connor Seely explains. It's going to be like a live call over um, Google Meet so people can just tune in and um, they can have their mics on or off like whatever people are most comfortable with and just get nice and cosy and carve pumpkins all together, maybe have some chats and stuff. They'll also have some tips on what to do with the pumpkin leftovers. And that event takes place at 6pm next Thursday on the UCC Environmental Society Facebook page. And if you don't feel like dressing up this Halloween, then you're not alone. I don't really, I, I stopped doing Halloween last year. Why did you stop doing Halloween? Uh, I, I was getting kind of too old for it. Why, what age are you? Uh, 10. 10? Almost 11. 
right, so what are you going to be doing for Halloween, so? Uh, I don't really know. Do you like Halloween? Yeah. Yeah. What do you like about it? Uh, the candy and the sweets. I love that little fella. I'm 10, I'm too old to dress up for Halloween. <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes. 1850-333-103. John Ball taking your calls. Last few minutes if you want to win one of our Get Up and Go Diaries today. That's by text only, please. Our WhatsApp 0862-103-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Cove GAA are holding in their online Zoom bingo. It's on tomorrow night and every Saturday night at 8 o'clock. Tickets are available online and you can check out their Facebook page, Cove GAA, for full details. And the Irish Cancer Society still looking for volunteer drivers to help transport cancer patients to and from their hospital chemotherapy treatments. Volunteers are needed right across Cork to help keep this vital service up and running. You, if you're interested, you can find out more and apply through the Irish Cancer Society's website, www.cancer.ie. Hi, Simon here. As you know, Cork has a host of local and world-class brands and it's a super city for shopping. Right now, we are asking you once again to make every effort to shop locally. We'd be delighted if you could do your shopping right here in Cork. Because a thriving local economy is good for everyone. You can make it better. Shop locally and you'll save time, you'll save money and you'll help to save local jobs. Supported by McCarthy Insurance Group where you can shop local for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Support your own right now. And thank you from all of us at C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Stop texting and WhatsApping. We have our winners for our Get Up and Go diaries. The Busy Woman diary is going to Margaret Lehan, Kilpatrick in Banding. Congratulations, Margaret. The Young Person's diary is going to Mary Daly, Bally Hampshire, Castle Lines. Congratulations, Mary. And the Gratitude diary is going to Margaret Smith of Murphy's Terrace in Mill Street. Congratulations, Margaret. So, Margaret, Mary, and the other Margaret, keep a lookout for the postman. We'll get them in the post to you. John Paul is with me as he has been every Friday for the last number of weeks. Afternoon to you, John Paul. Afternoon. And this is to do with the release of the figures, the confirmed cases over the last two weeks. And they do it by the local electoral area and it gives people a rough idea of how much COVID-19 is in their area. So we're starting with Bantry. Yeah, this is from the 6th of October to the 19th of October. And starting with Bantry, with this again, uh, just as people always ask, where are the areas? It's taken in the Drimalee, Castletown Bear, and the Mizan and Bera Peninsulas. Last week, we had 21 confirmed cases here. Uh, that has increased to 51 for this week in the Bantry area. And on to Skibbereen, here taken in Dunmanway, Ross Carberry, Banline, and the Clonakilty areas. Last week, we had 33 here. That has increased to 58 confirmed cases in that area. And then to nearby Bandon and Kinsale electoral area here, uh, taken in Kilbritton, League in a Shannon, Banlas Special, parts of Town, Balgooli areas. Last week, 52 cases. And this week, we have confirmed cases of 68 in the Bandon and Kinsale area. On then to Carrigaline. And here, you're taking in Ring of Skiddy, Ballygarvan and Marshallville areas. Also, Crosshaven. There was 61 cases here. 
uh, last week. Uh, this has also increased to 108 cases wow, in Carrigaline. That's a big jump in that it area. It is, yeah. It? And a, a big population too there in that area when you look at Carrigaline. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a big increase there. They were doing so well at the very start, but it has increased over the last number of weeks. Let's go into the city and we'll start in the Cork City Southwest local area. Uh, here last week, we'd 119 cases. And now this takes in Ballincollig, Wilton, Curraheen and some areas of Toker. This week, there's 196 confirmed cases in the city southwest ward into city south central. And for the south central, you're looking at the other areas of Toker, Kinsale Road area, Turner's Cross, uh, some of the Barrack Street and Magazine Road areas of the city. Last week, 219 cases. This week, 311 confirmed cases in South Central. To the city southeast here, looking at Douglas, Mahan and the Rochestown areas. Last week, 99 cases confirmed. This week, an increase of 183 confirmed cases in that area of the city. And then... As we cross the River Lee to the north side, let's go to the city northeast, looking at Montanati, Mayfield, Glanmire and Tivoli. 126 cases here last week. Confirmed cases this week has risen to 197. And to the northwest side of the north side of Cork City, then here, Holly Hill, Knocknahini, Blarney areas. Last week, 103. This week, 200 confirmed cases in that particular area so of the city. So all of the city areas going up by about 100 across last week. Yeah, all increased. Okay, McCroom. Uh, back to the county, to the McCroom uh, local area. And again, a, a wide area here to cover from Mill Street to Balangiri uh, to Intragila to Coulee, Cladouv, Arhala and Crookstown areas. Last week, 38 cases here. It has increased to 73 confirmed cases this time around. And to Canturk, which takes in Charnival and New Market areas as well. Uh, Bally Desmond, Kishkeim, Cullen and Kilcorny and Tullylees area. Areas. Last week, 20 confirmed cases. That has increased to 45 for the Kenturk local area. And then to Mallow, which includes Dramahan, New Tupot House, Glantan, Buin, uh, Grenan, Churchtown areas. Uh, last week, there was 20 cases. This week, 47 confirmed cases in the Mallow area. And to Formoy, then again, what area here you're taking into Kilworth, Castleline areas, onto Donrail, Shambany Moor, and Glanworth. And indeed, the town of Mitchellstown and the areas around Mitchellstown last week, we had 56 confirmed cases here. Uh, that has increased by 10 to 66 cases in that particular area. And then to the Cove area, again, a, you know, a wide sp- sprawl here for Cove. You're going from Carrig Tool to Carrig Navarre to Watergrass Hill, Nokraha and Cove itself. Uh, 48 cases here last week. That has increased to 80 confirmed cases this time around. And then to the Middleton area, which takes in the rest of East Cork, such as Yall, Dungourney, Cline, Shanagari, Ballycotton, Ladies Bridge. Uh, that has actually decreased. So it was fifty six last week. That has gone down to fifty three this week. So they've come out. The, they've come out the best. Yeah. They, they've done the best. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know whether I'm just. I'm always trying to see some positive news. I because these are the figures up to Monday. Yeah. And then so next week it'll be. It's a rolling fourteen day average. I think, and I've been keeping a track on the numbers. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. The figures. I think they're slightly lower in Cork. Yeah, Cork. 
over the like last few days. Like they were under having... 100 yesterday yeah. and the day before. So let's yeah. keep our fingers crossed. It's Maybe been going down. it's starting to go down. So hopefully. Okay, we'll have more of the same next week. Thank you for that, uh, John Paul. And just let me wrap up on some of uh, texts and calls that have come in and emails to Patricia at c103.ie. Sandra says, Hi Patricia, while it will be good to still have shops open for the elderly people during lockdown and people who want to see the products in reality, the shops in Cork should open websites now and advertise their websites, particularly if they want to survive this lockdown. They are fools if they think people won't stop Christmas shopping online. Some have started online already. Plus, do we really want everybody rushing out to the shops at the beginning of September? Um, Thank you, Sandra. And I think a lot of shops have done that. A lot of businesses, I've been saying that all week, that if there's, you know, the businesses in your area that have closed, check, I mean, check their social media. Facebook is a great way of telling people if they've gone online or not and just see if they've gone online and if they have gone online. A number of places are doing click and collect as well, so don't forget that, that while they might be closed to the public, you may be able to buy items online and then go and collect it in person as well. So it's the whole thing about trying to keep as much of our hard, hard-earned cash and keep it as local as possible. Hi Patricia, we've got a relation in a nursing home. He's going to be 90 next week. Do you think that that would be deemed a compassionate visit thanking you? Yeah, you'd, you wouldn't you love to think that you could go and visit a loved one who is celebrating his 90th birthday. But I imagine that the nursing home are not going to allow you uh, to visit all of the nursing homes and particularly the news that's coming that we spoke about coming out of the, the nursing home in Galway and how quickly it spread. There are no visits to nursing homes except on compassionate grounds and I think the compassionate grounds there is to do with end of life. I don't think it's to go in and celebrate somebody's birthday while it's a lovely, lovely thought. That's not to say that you can't drop something off to him and drop presents off, off drop presents to him if, if it's within your 5k. But I don't. I really don't think that you're going to be allowed in. You can check, but I would be surprised if you will, if you would be allowed in. But I can see where you're coming from. Absolutely, eighteen fifty, three 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 one zero three. Patricia, you're talking about internet access. Did you see the video video from the Mart manager in Kinmare last night? After the problems they have, they're running their online sales. The Mart now has gone online, and with poor internet connection. Some farmers are literally just not able to sell their products. He was in tears and he spoke so much sense. If anybody hasn't seen it, it's on Agriland. And if anybody hasn't seen it or has seen it, that particular gentleman is going to be joining us on the programme on Tuesday morning if you want to hear what he has to uh, say because he really sort of spells it out how difficult it is for people in rural areas, particularly those that don't have internet access. So thank you, actually. A number of other people have highlighted that man as well to us. I think John Paul says we've had him on the programme before as well. And Michael says, how are you, Patricia? I'm doing well, thank you. I'd like to thank Caulfield's Supervalue in Bandon for going above... and beyond with their sanitising, the checkouts, etc. And making sure the space between customers and monitoring the number of people that are in the store, etc. I think we should compliment businesses who are doing a great job. We should indeed. Uh, thank you. That's from Michael. So everybody in Caulfield's Super Value in Bandon, please take a bow. As we head into the first weekend of lockdown, a little bit of comedy is just what we all need. Cork comedian Ty Kiki. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. A.K.A. Doni. Doni's a big fan of the programme. We'll be performing a live stream show from Smock Alley tomorrow night. Ty Kiki joins me to chat about his show, which is called In One Eye and Out the Other. Good afternoon to you, Ty. Hi Patricia, how's it going? Well, you're very welcome uh, to the programme. Firstly, when did you get confirmation that this show was going ahead tomorrow night? Because it seems very late notice. (laughs) Oh my God, I think probably about a day ago, I think we were confirmed that it was definitely on. So at one stage it was off and then it was back on and it was off. And I think somebody, I think it was actually Naomi and the Everyman found a loophole in the uh, restrictions, that means the theatre can be broadcast. It's just we can't have audiences in. We can do live streams. So live streams are... Are okay, yeah, but we're just delighted. I think it's actually the first of its kind for Smock Alley Theatre in Dublin as well. They've just got a load of gear in to do it, and it's obviously the first time I've ever done anything like this. So we're kind of all just excited in the theatre today. It's good old crack. Yeah, because I, I was going to ask you that. Had you, had you done a live stream before? Now, I know you do stuff on your own social media platforms, yeah. but is it going to be very different to do a show without a live audience? Um, I kind of don't mind it, to be honest. <laughs> like, um, I yeah, I love having people there and it's great to hear the laughter and stuff. But when people aren't there, you're very kind of in the zone then for the writing and you're kind of bringing out the writing because sometimes people can laugh in a, in a part where you wouldn't expect and that can throw you. And then sometimes people don't laugh in a bit that you'd like a laugh and that can throw you. So not That's a good there, point. Kind of fine. Yeah, yeah, you can just hope everyone's virtually laughing at home, and they will be. <laughs> exactly, they will be. I know they will. Now it's a one-man show which was written and performed by by your good self, and it introduces yeah. the word to Fergal. Tell me about yes. Fergal. 
Yeah, so Fergal is based very, very loosely on my own experiences. I would be kind of open enough that I'm in recovery from, from alcoholism and I haven't drank for, for five years. And I wanted to do a story about that, but I didn't want it to be depressing and, and gritty and stuff because that's all the depictions of alcoholism I'd seen on TV and whatnot. And my own drinking, although it was like that, it was also kind of, uh, kind of I don't know what we'd say, surreal and there were funny moments in it. So I just thought my best bet would be to try and write a, a dark comedy about my experiences, uh, put it as this character Fergal, and then if I had any serious message to, to make about addiction or alcoholism, that that would be kind of secondary and that would kind of go in the back door afterwards. So I've ended up with this thing that I, I thought I was just writing a comedy primarily, but um, drinkers and ex-drinkers have come to see the show and they're actually finding a lot of kind of maybe even catharsis in it. And I've had people come see it a few times. They could be concerned about their loved ones drinking. They wouldn't be ready to, to go to a meeting yet and they've ended up coming to the show a couple of times so I'm kind of delighted about that to be honest I didn't really set out to make a kind of a an addiction mental health mm. um, piece but that's the way it's gone and I think it's very pertinent in the world as well today because Fergal is just this really lonely character he's had a terrible background he is an alcoholic but he's in really good form he's really chipper and he creates all these different characters to to save himself from his own loneliness and I think audiences can definitely kind of resonate with that at the moment it's, it's a kind of a, it's a very lonely time I suppose for everyone And does it cover his journey as to how he became an alcoholic? Yeah so it charts it's, it's like the stories are kind of off the wall and you feel like there's no connection to them but then it all connects at the end basically so it starts off with his childhood he had an abusive relationship with this, this character and then he's at home and he creates and um, he creates kind of company from the, from the things in his attic. So he has a cardboard cutout of Sonny O'Sullivan. There's an E.T. doll. Um, there's a statue of St. Anthony. And these kind of become his friends and kind of entertain him or whatever. And you, you, re- you kind of realize at the end what all these kind of stories meant. And he ends up singing in a choir. He's, he's, he claims that he stopped drinking and he's singing in a choir. And the audience has to make up their mind whether this actually happened or whether he's in the room with us at all. And, it, and, and but is there a healing message? Yeah, I I I think so. It's, someone saw the show and they pointed out to me that it's kind of so. So uh, Fergal's mother is a big drinker as well, and he's been detached from his mother for years. And there's without kind of spoiling it, there's a kind of coming together between mother and son at yeah. the end in this kind of choir in this choir scene. And I suppose for me as a as a writer as well, I think there's there's a story in it for, for of hope. Hopefully that when you stop drinking, if there there are people listening. I'd love to just pass on the message that life just really kind of kicked off for me when I when I stopped drinking. You know that I think in Ireland sometimes it's very hard to stop drinking because you think your life is over. All the ads and telly and billboards and stuff are all about drinking, but I feel my life only kind of kicked off when I stopped drinking. You know, so. And there's a lot of people really battling through lockdown, and drink has become their comfort. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and 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 I wouldn't be. Um, I wouldn't be judgmental on drink or I wouldn't be one of these ex-drinkers that kind of thinks like drink is evil or anything like that. Like it's it's a combination of people that would have a propensity for addiction and alcohol together. Those two things combined are are the problem, I suppose. But if I did have any kind of message, especially to younger people and, and maybe even younger men, I, I just found it very hard to stop drinking myself when I was younger because all my friends were at it and... You know, it was just the thing, like, there was no real means of socialising outside of alcohol, but mm. I'm kind of, you know, I'm repeating myself now, but I would say to those people that if they are kind of struggling a little bit, like, I, as I say, like, I wrote shows, I did stuff for TV, but more importantly, I got a bit of peace of mind when I stopped drinking, and all that stuff was just impossible when I was drinking. So so it's a story of hope, I think, for the character, but also hopefully for the the writer, and 
even though this has all been a bit kind of full on, it is very funny as well. I should. Okay, yeah, yeah, it is comedy. It is comedy. It is comedy. By the way, when when you decided to make that decision that drink wasn't for you anymore, did you go down the AA route, or what was recovery for you? Well, yeah, I I suppose I I, I got talking to people that wanted the same things that I did. I suppose would be the best way I could put it, and I, I surrounded myself with people that wanted a kind of recovery that wasn't just about stopping drinking, that was about getting to the root of the problems, why I was drinking in the first place, and then getting a real good alternative life outside it. I also started meditating as well, which I think is important to to say that was a massive part of it for me because I, I, I felt that when I was drinking, my mind was just kind of constantly on the go and not in a good way. Like It was just like a, a washing machine head, I think they kind of call it. Yeah. And the meditation just kind of calmed all that down and then I could get to the root of why why I was drinking in the first well place, basically. Well done. Yeah. Well, well so. done. And I, and I know um, I read some of the reviews of this show, uh, Mario Rosenstock saying, watch out for the ending. Yeah, so without... without yeah, giving it, it away. Uh, yeah, please don't. Yeah, the, there is a twist, I would say. Yeah, People tune okay. in. There's a, there's, a big, there's a big twist. So you're presented with this character for for most of the show and then something something happens towards okay. the end that hopefully surprises the audience. And yeah. tune in is what we want people to do. You, you, so people buy tickets and it's it's a tenor, isn't it? It's a tenor, yeah. And it's a, li- it's a live link to, like it's kind of state-of-the-art cameras that the guys are using and state-of-the-art audio. So I think you will feel very close to being in the, te- in the theatre for that. Brilliant. For that tenor, yeah. And how are tickets going? Really good, actually. Oh, yeah, they're great. delighted. They're delighted. Yeah, there's a rumor floating around that Mary Lou Macdonald is is uh, one saw. of the ticket holders. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> and of course, the idea is you you get your ticket, and the whole family can sit down and watch it for the one tenner. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and I think it's active for a while after as well. So it kicks off at eight thirty, but I think you can watch it afterwards as well. Just oh, to people. And how long how long is the show? Fifty minutes. Oh, it's fifty minutes. Okay, so it's yeah. only going. It's only going to be an hour of your time exactly. uh, t- 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 taken up. It's. I think. You know, I'm quite excited about it because I think this is going to give great hope for others in the theatre world because your industry has been decimated. Totally, and I think what's great about this is that, like, and Smock uh, in Dublin and and the Everyman in Cork are two good examples of, like, in this period they're just looking. What's the innovative thing to do? Like, how do we keep going? You know, are we doing live streams? Are we doing radio, audio broadcasts? And I think that's great because that's where artists come into their own when they kind of go, look, you know, it is tough on us, but let's kind of try where possible to be proactive. And I kind of love being around that kind of stuff or whatever, you know. So, yeah, we'll fight. We'll fight on, like, irrespective of what's going on, we'll fight on, we'll find a way. Has it been tough here? It it hasn't, it hasn't. Like, I found that it has given me some space for kind of writing as well and kind of coming up with new ideas. And also, like, I suppose, you know, everyone is in the struggle together. You know what I mean? I mean, maybe not, you don't get that sense from government at times, but the ordinary people that you talk to on the street, everyone has been affected by this. So I try not to kind of get too bogged down on like, you know, I was supposed to do gigs here, there, everywhere. It'll come around again. And I think just trying to think about, yeah, I'm, I'm getting a bit preachy now, but just trying to think about others like it's probably a good way of not getting bogged down on your own slice slice of the pie being taken away, you know. Okay, people want to know how do you buy tickets? Okay, so then it's on Smock Alley Smock Alley's website, um smockalley.ie is the is the web address and if anyone follows me on any of my social media it's Ty Kiki on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and I'll be linking it all day today. Um there's a yeah, the, all the links will be there and as I say the tickets are ten euro and it's on at eight thirty tomorrow night live broadcast from Smock Alley. Okay, and how is our friend Donny? One second there. <laughs> 
Hello, Patricia. <laughs> How are you getting on, my sweetheart? How are you doing? <laughs> very good. Patricia, I just want to say thank you very much for having my friend Shai on, and I just want to say to your listeners, guys, we are going to get through this, and if I was to give you one tiny bit of advice for this period, make sure you're tuning in to C103 <laughs> and Patricia, because they have the answers. She's a very gentle spiller. You can talk about your problems with her. If you can't reach me, you'll answer Patricia. Mind yourself, guys, and we will... Talk to you, I will talk to you at the other end of this. Good I luck. love you all. Thanks a million, Tony and Tyke. And best of luck tomorrow night. Not that you need luck. You're a funny guy. It's going to be a great show and we're looking forward to it. Thanks Thank a million, Tyke. Thank you Tyke. so much for the support, Patricia. God I really bless. appreciate it. God Take bless. Stay Bye safe. Bye-bye. Tyke Hickey in one eye, out the other. If you want just a little piece of fun for tomorrow night, uh, as I say, go on to any of Tyke's social media platforms around to Smock Alley. It's only a tenner. Well, I mentioned about the listener who wants wants to go see their uncle who's going to be 90 on Sunday I'm wondering would that be deemed a compassionate visit because because uh, the gentleman's in a nursing home and I was saying you need to check in with the nursing home but I don't know if you would be allowed because all visits bar those on compassionate grounds but I think compassionate grounds appears to be end of life somebody says Patricia compassion should mean for the living it's no use when they're dead or are dying that's what I think and I know says this listener the advice you're giving is, is the advice that's there at the moment but yeah 100% is we should be looking after the living and going to visit the living rather than go and, go and visit the dead I agree with you 100% as well Hi Patricia I've just come out from from getting my po- from the post office picking up my pension and I was surprised that we still have to sign. You can imagine all the times that the pen is handled. I did say to the cashier and she said that they were given no instructions. I didn't think there was any signing going on in the post office. What I would say to you is perhaps bring your own pen with you if you're nervous about using other pens. I know I was in the credit union in Mallow and they obviously you've got a sign of the credit union and they give you a pen that has been sanitised and then that's put separately and it's sanitised before it's given to some to somebody else so I'm surprised to hear that they're handing pens out without it being as sanitised number of people picking up on Ty Kiki and the fact that his play is about his own journey with alcoholism and she says great man Ty well done I lost an uncle to drink I miss him every day well done to all of the staff at homeless shelters and help centres for all that they do I will never forget him thank you for that Anthony stay safe and someone else says hi been off the drink for the last 23 years and as Tyke says life only began for me after giving up the drink fair play to Tyke and to Adoni and others wanting to wish Tyke well with the live streaming That's a, it's, a, it's a start for the theatre uh, business God knows they, they can do with a bit of a dig out ok that's where I leave you for today I'm not going to be with you next week John Paul is sitting in for the week I'm taking a little bit of a break I think I need to recharge the batteries ever so slightly so I'll be back with you the following Monday week. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Enjoy your bank holiday weekend. And if you've kids on midterm, enjoy that as well. Nick Richard is with you for the afternoon. In the meantime, look after yourselves and stay safe. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 